and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was a high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not only for the nation, but to gather in to one the children of God who were scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. That was from John 11, 47 to 53. The uh, second reading is from John chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, the one whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving at dinner, uh, and Lazarus was one of those who were reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of perfume, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Then one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, Why wasn't this perfume sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about the poor but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of the money that was put into it. Jesus answered, Leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me with you. Then a large crowd of Jews learned that he was there. They came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, the one who he had raised from the dead. But the chief of priests has decided to kill Lazarus also, because he was the reason that many of the Jews were deserting them and believing in Jesus. The third and final reading is from John 12, 12 to 19. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your King is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that the things had been written about him, and that th these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him, when he, when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to, to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. 
Look how the whole world has gone after him. Uh, thank you for the three people who read, Miriam and Sam and Agnello. And I want to extend my welcome to all of you who are here today. Uh, we're going to be looking at three different passages and I will try and to, to be brief so that uh, the service is not too long for uh, particularly the children who are with us. Uh, shall we pray? Father God, we want to thank you for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who died for our sins was buried and raised the third day in all in accordance with scripture and we thank you Jesus that you sh showed yourself with uh, to many witnesses you instructed your disciples and you ascended into heaven and you sent the Holy Spirit upon your church today you intercede for the church today you're preparing a place for the church and even as we heard today through Mike's story you're coming back for the church and to judge the world. Here we stand today saying we are here for you. We are your people and you are our God. You are our Heavenly Father and we are your children. And we ask that you will speak to us through scriptures that we have heard today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so from these three passages, these three passages are happening roughly about a week before uh, Jesus faced his passion on the cross. And uh, the events surrounding this incidents, incidences, if you like, is you have got uh, obviously Lazarus, uh, Jesus' friend from Bethany, has, was dead. He was uh, buried in a tomb. Uh, four days later, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And obviously the news in Bethany spread like it was the talk of the town. Everybody were hearing about this man, Lazarus, is uh, dead, uh, who was dead, is now alive. And people were coming to see him. You know, when uh, funerals happen, um, lots of well-wishers come. Um, mourners come, comforters come, and they all were taking this, this news back to their friends and wherever they went, they said they spread this news. So much so this news reached the uh, Pharisees uh, and they went and told the chief priests and the Sanhedrin gathered. So the Sanhedrin is like the highest Jewish Supreme Court with regard to all matters of religion. It was made up of both uh, two sects of the Jewish group called, one is called the Pharisees and one is called the Sadducees. The Pharisees are the ones, literally it means separated ones. During the time of the exile, there was a group of people, Jewish men, who decided to separate themselves to study scripture. Because the temple was destroyed and they wanted to study scripture, they gathered together and they dedicated their lives to purely reading and interpreting scripture. And they started to write, they had oral commentaries, later it was written down, that is called the Babylonian Talmud. And uh, by the time Jesus had come, the oral tradition was equated to the written word of God. 
So that is why when Jesus, when he talks in Matthew, on the Sermon on the Mount, for example, he says this, you say this, but I say to you. What is he saying? He's correcting the interpretation of what they had, which they have equated with the word of God. They believed in the, all of the Old Testament by the time of Jesus, right, starting from uh, Genesis to uh, Malachi and, and also the oral tradition. However, the Sadducees were different. Uh, the Sadducees, that, that name, where does that come from? It simply comes from the high priest called Zadok, which means righteous or righteous ones. The Sadducees were the priests, descendants of Aaron. They were the Sadducees. While the Pharisees were any Jew, any Jewish man who wanted to study the scripture. Okay. So you got the Sadducees, the priests. They did not believe in the oral tradition. They just believed in literally the scriptures. That's from Genesis to Malachi. Okay. So these two groups made the Sanhedrin, the high court or the supreme court of the Judaic people. And uh, they, they met together every day except on the Sabbath and festival days. And they were the final decision if there was any kind of questions with regard to practice of the Judaic faith. Obviously, the Pharisees believed in angels, they believed in uh, demons, they believed in the fact that there was people when they die, they'll be raised and they will, be, they will stand before God and they'll be rewarded appropriately based on their actions. Sadducees did not believe in that. Therefore, their life was all about now. Can you see how the Christian thought also has been influenced? Some people think about eternity, some people think this is it, now we need to live it full, live life to full. So keep those things. These, well, this was a group of people there and they met together and they were deciding and that time Caiaphas was the high priest. To help you remember, I'm going to give you three, uh, what do you call, three points so you can take on board. The first one is, I put it all in P's, you can pick up the P's in the sentence, okay? Jesus' death was predicted by the priest. Predicted by the priest, PP there, okay? Jesus' death was predicted by the priest. The second one we'll be looking from second passages is to do with Jesus' burial. Jesus' body was prepared with perfume, PP. Prepared with perfume. The first one is predicted by priests. The second one is prepared with perfume. And the last one is about Jesus' resurrection. And the two P's we are going to be looking is was proclaimed by the people. Proclaimed by the people. So we got all the threes there. Jesus' death was predicted by the priests. Jesus' body was prepared with perfume. And the third thing is Jesus' resurrection was proclaimed by the people. Okay, keep those three points. Going back to the first one, we've got the Pharisees and the, and the chief priests meet together and they speak. And Caiaphas was the high priest at the time and he speaks up. And he makes a statement, you know, one of the commentators put, you witless people, you don't understand it's better for one man to die 
than for the whole nation to perish. And John writes then, he says, he was prophesying without even knowing that he was prophesying, if you know what I mean. So, where does that thought, where does the John get that thought from? The John gets this thought from, actually from Numbers 27, verses 18 to 21, where Joshua is going to take over as the next leader for Moses. And at the time, one of Aaron's sons, Eleazar, was the priest. And God says to, uh, God speaks through Moses, and Moses speaks to Eleazar, and he says, the Lord said to Moses, let's read that first, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand on him, make him stand before Eleazar, the priest, and all the congregation. You shall commission him in their sight, you shall invest in him with your authority, and all the congregation of the people of Israel may obey. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall inquire of God by the judgment of the urine before the Lord. So the idea is the high priest did two things. One is the high priest interceded for the nation. The high priest also spoke on behalf of God. If Joshua wanted any information, what is God's will on a given matter? All he needed to do is go to the high priest Eleazar and say, Eleazar will go before God's presence and do, will inquire of him with the Urim and the Thummim and then come back and tell Joshua, this is what God is saying to you. So that act of saying something by the high priest was considered as prophet's prophecy, if you like. Because it was revealing, it was God's a prophet is God's spokesperson. Therefore, he's sharing something of God's heart or God's counsel to God's people. Hallelujah. You get that picture? So here, when Caiaphas is speaking, even though Caiaphas was a corrupt guy, he was still an instrument in God's big plan, if you like, for Jesus to face the fashion. And he says, it's better for one man to die than for the whole nation to perish. Okay. So, moving from there, so that is the first P we have done. Jesus' death was predicted by a priest. The second one we're going to be looking at, Jesus' body was prepared with perfume. This is six days before the Passover. Jesus was at the same house in Bethany, the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And uh, they were having a meal, and during that meal, Mary comes and she breaks open an alabaster box, which concerned, which had the spikenard, which was one of the most expensive perfumes of the time of the children of Israel. I tried to Google up and see what is the most expensive perfume. I, I, you know, and I was surprised that you can get something for one point something million dollars. Okay, I was quite surprised. So this was this was the perfume of the day. We don't know. This Bethany means the house of the poor. So she wasn't like she didn't have a rich daddy uh, who was a a, a a multi-millionaire who had given this perfume. She probably had saved, scrimped and saved 
to get this? Or was it given as a gift by somebody? I don't know. She somehow had this perfume and it was worth a lot of money. The Bible says, we know from this text that it was worth about 300 denarii, which is roughly 300 days wage during those times. She had this and uh, she comes and she shows extravagant love to Jesus by breaking open that. It was, uh, it was many days wages, but she consumed it in a few seconds. And she anointed Jesus and she worshipped. Obviously, Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' twelve, were there. And he was, a, a, he, was a, he was the treasurer, if you like, of the group. He was, the Bible also says he was a thief because he dipped into the... He had access to money. Sometimes he used his personal, you know. He was using a personal credit card. Or you know, using their card as his card. You know what I mean? So there was, there was uh, Judas and he calculates and he says, And Jesus said, leave her alone. And, he's, and he makes that remark because Judas said maybe this should have been sold and given to the poor. But he says that she has done this for my burial. The poor you will always have with you. I just want to make a small note there. He's not saying don't look after the poor. He's saying you do look after the poor but now the priority is worship and this is for me. That's what he's saying. When do we show extravagant worship? And to whom do we show extravagant worship? The only person that extravagant worship is worthy of is God alone. Okay? I can tell you a, a, a story as a, a, a little boy. You know, sometimes when you're little, you have infatuation and you kind of like somebody so much. I can remember giving my entire, my dad gave me his stamp collection and I gave my entire stamp collection to a little girl whom I fancied when I was a little boy. My dad would have been mortified if he knew what I did then. Because he had collected it since he was a child. That was extravagant love if you like. So you're showing your extravagant love. That extravagant worship is only due to God and you've got to give it to Him. Okay. So nothing is too expensive for God. And she gave her, she gave more, the most precious thing she had, she gave it to God. Okay. So his body was prepared with perfume. The next, the last one I'm going to touch on is his uh, resurrection was proclaimed by the people or by the procession. The next day a large crowd had come to the feast who heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. I just want to make a few observations and then I'll close. The palm branches. What's so special about the palm branches? Between Malachi and between Matthew is what we call as the intertestamental period, about 400 plus years. During that particular time, Alexander the Great is dead and subsequently you have got, you had uh, the, the 
the Greek, Greek Empire divides and one of those uh, generals of Alexander the Great is, uh, went on to become uh, Seleucus was there. And Seleucus was there and they were beginning to rule and during that time there was one particular person by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. He was a really puffed up man, he was a, he was a ruler and he came to Jerusalem and uh, he tried to, what, what the idea was, they wanted to grease the place. In other words, to bring the Greek idea and the Greek way of thought and they wanted to erase the, 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 the identity of the Jewish people. And uh, when we read the scriptures, sometimes we have to degrease it, literally, to understand what is God saying. So you've got this, he comes and he uh, desecrates the temple by uh, uh, sacrificing an unclean animal, a pig, on the altar. During that time, there was a, a if you like, a rebellion, an insurrection, and it was uh, led by the Maccabees family and uh, they managed to successfully uh, beat back the opposition at that time and uh, during that time the temple was rededicated and that is a festival uh, we have called the Hanukkah which uh, you would find the Jewish people celebrate it was a rededication of the temple but I'll talk another time during that time, they wanted a national symbol of victory. That national symbol of victory over the, uh, the Greeks or the Greek way of thinking and the desecration of the temple was the palm leaf. So in the south, there was always this excitement of this national fervor that one day uh, God will establish his throne uh, through the line of David and he will he will rule. That expectation was there. So much so in every Passover in the cedar meal, at the end of their liturgy, at the end of the liturgy, there will be one line that says, it, it, they are expecting the coming. Uh, during that festival, they'll be, during that feast, they have, I mean, if you've ever been invited to a Jewish home during the Passover, there is an empty chair in the Passover meal, an empty plate on the Passover meal, an extra plate, and they would say, uh, that is for Elijah because it is prophesied that one who Elijah will come before the coming of the Messiah which was referred to for John the Baptist that is the reason why they ask are you Elijah are you you don't remember that so you have got this instance so this is this messianic expectation is heightened during the time of the Passover and uh, this is there and during this time these people have heard what have they heard Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead and people were people are meeting people who are saying I was there I was there I saw this happen I saw this happen and someone says there is Lazarus so much of the high priest wanted to kill both Jesus and Lazarus because people were leaving their tradition and accepting Jesus to be the Messiah during that particular period they are, the festival is there and Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and when they hear it, the people took palm branches and went out to meet him. In other words, they were saying, this is the Christ. This is the promised Messiah. This is the promised Messiah. And they were beginning to shout. What were they shouting? Hosanna. Hosanna means, literally means, 
Lord save save us save us save us but of course the people's expectation was save us from the Roman rule at the time that was their expectation and he's saying save us blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord even the king of Israel they recognized him this particular proclamation by the people it actually prefigures the resurrection of Christ like Mike said Jesus is coming back he showed the picture of his father's uh, picture in that little locket in the on his mom's necklace and Mike was probably a little baby when his dad first met him and then didn't see him till he was four but always looking he's coming back he's coming back he's coming back he's coming back similarly they were waiting the nation of Israel was waiting for the coming of the Messiah and the Messiah has come that's Jesus and the same Messiah has gone up into heaven the same Messiah is coming back so much so when he when he was when he ascended into heaven when his ascension happened these disciples were standing there and looking up into the sky and what did God, God speak to them this same Jesus in the like manner as you've seen him go will come back again so Christian faith is not about just being nice and living here but actually we're living for him and we are living with that messianic expectation of the second coming of the Messiah and he's coming back again the Bible says here John writes this and says his disciples did not understand these things at first but when Jesus was glorified they remembered all these things that had been written about him had been done to him so summing up we are living at a time awaiting his coming and it's important to live for him to live faithfully for him so I'm going to I'm going to ask you as a church of the Lord Jesus Christ who's been purchased by him are you going to live for him are you going to live with this when you know there's a messianic expectation that he's coming back then there's a degree of preparedness the preparedness is one of welcome to live in the light of that reality that is coming back again you know when uh, there's sometimes when Claire's sometimes Claire goes on uh, holiday with her mummy and there are other times where Claire's gone away for a women's weekend away or there's one occasion when Claire went off to Italy uh, with one of her friends and and the boys and I were at home and uh, sometimes there are tasks that we need to do we've been given a little task to do make sure we keep the house tidy etc 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 and uh, because we are boys at the house we just leave it till the last minute and then we know mommy's coming tomorrow let's all hands on deck there is a, an expectation and a preparation today what 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 does that look like so I don't think you know sometimes people you know you hear this sometimes people make this funny comment in newspapers or magazines or whatever Jesus coming back look busy 
Now, we, that's not the right way at all. We need to be faithful, doing, looking after things, living for him on a daily, ongoing basis. Whether you're young, whether you're old, live for him. That is the preparedness. Living in the light that Jesus has bought me with a price. I'm not my own. I live for him. The life that I now live, I live for his glory. With that you live. So you sing, because I belong to him, I'm going to think differently. I'm going to speak differently. I'm going to act differently. Going to this text to just to remind you of the three points as I close. The first one, his death was predicted by a priest. His body was prepared with perfume. And number three, regarding his resurrection, was proclaimed by the people. Shall we pray? Lord, we want to say thank you that you came to save us. We want to, we are so grateful for so great a salvation. And today we stand here and we are saying, we are here for you. We are purchased possession of yours. You gave your life for us. And we want to live for you. We ask, Lord, that we be aware that your presence lives within us. And to live our life in the reality of that. To live in love. To live in light. Help us, Lord, we pray. We ask that may the reality that we belong to you affect the way we think, they affect the way we speak, they affect the way we conduct our lives. We thank you for your scriptures, even as we go through them over and over again. You always throw a new light to us. And we are saying we want to live for you. Lord, we pray for the congregation today for the young and the old and we ask that you will meet with them in a very tangible manner on a daily basis as they stop and speak to you or listen to your word as they spend time with each other we ask this in Jesus name Amen